Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France, they have also got evacuation plans. But you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens... War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Tim, who do you want me to denounce, right? Totally insincere. Right. And yes, he thinks they are a valuable member of his coalition because he's, he's one of them. And I just, there's just, there's ample evidence of it now. Like we, we should always ram home the point. I think it's important that Joe Biden say it's a wake up call, particularly because I think of the thing I was saying a second ago, the ways in which he intends to use that coalition potentially after election day to try to hold on to power and what that might mean for the country in the period which his, the people around him now say the real war starts on November 4th. It's between November 4th and January 20th when the real war is going to happen. That's the kind of talk that Steve Bannon and other people around Donald Trump are now trafficking in. And, and he wants that coalition to be part of that fight. So, yes, we need to call it out. We need to say it. But we cannot any longer be surprised of how he thinks about this part of his coalition. And we should not be surprised because, of course, he values them because they are him. He is them. They are one and the same. Welcome, you're in the war room, live from New York City, from Midtown Manhattan, and also from our nation's capitals, Thursday, the 1st of October, year of our 2020, episode 413, now with over 15 million downloads on the podcast, you're listening to John Frederick Radio Network, also Real America's uh, Voice.News, that is Dish Channel 219, Chicago Comcast Channel 113, and of course on Newsmax TV, and every day, six days a week on G News, GTV, in Mandarin, and every other platform, Facebook, YouTube, uh, all the different uh, Pluto, um, all the different uh, platforms uh, to, to make this show ubiquitous everywhere. You just heard on MSNBC John Heilman uh, talking about uh, really, uh, you know, reflecting on what the Democrats are doing with the Transition Integrity Project. They've been found, called out, dissected. Uh, now that the... Uh, the Trump movement is on top of this on both the legal side, on the side, and particularly on getting people uh, really rallied uh, to uh, to make sure that they stand up to all the uh, anarchy of Antifa and Black Lives Matter that intend to take the streets. Jack Masovic from One American News joins us as co-host for the first hour. He's in studio with Raheem Kassam. We've got a power pack. First hour, we're going to go through uh, really this, uh, this war that's brewing driven by the progressives of what they're trying to do to basically overturn the election of Donald Trump on the 3rd of November. They're in complete meltdown, hair on fire. We're going to get to Philadelphia in a second. But I want to frame this with uh, Raheem, who's done such a great job at National Pulse, and Jack Posobiec, who's do both done the hard work of uh, the reporting from places like Portland uh, and places like Seattle, uh, where you see the anarchy in the streets and what they're going to visit on, on basically the country, and particularly Washington, D.C., uh, after Trump wins on November 3rd. 
but also he's done a great job as a former Naval Intelligence Officer of really understanding what this is all about, particularly the information warfare aspect of this. So Raheem, Jack, when I turn it over to you guys, give me your thoughts, your observations, frame this for us. What have the highlands of the world right now, what are they trying to do? Well, Jack's having a Jack Pasovic's having a mini meltdown right now because, as you know, he's constantly, constantly tied to his Twitter account and Twitter feed, and Twitter appears to be down right now or not working for some of us. Um, bad things happen on Twitter. <laughs> bad things happen on Twitter. Exactly. Uh, welcome to the. Uh, go ahead. They hit the kill switch on you guys. They hit the kill switch. Well, Steve, you called that correctly yesterday. I mean, we were here this morning, yesterday morning, here talking about the, uh, the the debate, and you said they have a kill switch on Facebook, they have a kill switch on Twitter, they want a kill switch in the debates, and just a few hours later, the commission uh, on the debates comes out and says, hey, you know what, we might need a kill switch on the microphones, we might need to shut the president up from time to time. So uh, credit to uh, credit to you where it's due. I wanted to just say as well, before I throw it to Posobiec and, and Maxi in studio here, uh, isn't it funny how quiet Rosa Brooks, Nils Gilman, and the Transition Integrity people have gone since we exposed them? Now, I know they wanted to pull back. They told me in their own words they wanted to pull back. They were stunned uh, by the level of animosity that they got for for confecting this narrative about the president and, and effectively giving the Democrats the ability to go out there and say that, that Joe Biden should not give up the election uh, no matter what the circumstances. But it's gone incredibly quiet from, from those people now for two reasons, I believe. Number one, it's moved on and beyond that, right? We're now in the, the legal throes. We're in the legal fracas already all, all up and down the country. So they're theoretical things don't necessarily matter anymore but number two i don't think they thought they were going to be exposed before maybe november the first or second when people really started cottoning on to what was going on um i think i think there has been a major disruption in their tactics jack well raheem these are people again remember they get their entire idea about their concept of governance in the united states from tv shows like the west wing <laughs> and so they expect us to be in awe of their stunning brilliance at coming up with these incredible scenarios and these complex game systems that they've worked out and found their way there i mean this is how they game theoried their way in through the iraq war this is the same group of people in many cases the exact same people david from it for central uh and so when they go through that, they assume because of their echo chamber that they think that everyone who's going to receive it is going to be in equally in awe of all of the work they did. They're not considering the effect of people outside the Acela corridor. This is the same uh, as the debate reaction, right? Joe Biden gave a great performance for the Acela corridor, but that's not who votes. Who votes are the people out there. Who's looking at when people in the trend look at the Transition Integrity Project, people in the Midwest, uh, this Saturday is going to be the fourth time that I've gone to Wisconsin this year. Uh, they don't like that stuff. They don't want to hear about electors not going to uh, to vote for the president. They don't want to hear about states pulling out of the election process if they don't like the they don't like it. They don't want that. They want one man, one vote. They want the votes to be counted on election day, and they want there to be a winner on election night. Yeah, and listen, my well, I want to go. Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead, Jack. No, no, I, no, no, I, jump in. I just I think that this is the classic example of Democrat projection, right? We've got half of them saying they're going to burn it down, that we're going to go to the streets. You've got LeBron James with an army of 10,000 now, right? But it's only Trump volunteers that are a danger. It's only potentially Trump supporters who might be the cause of unrest. 
we can look back at six months of unrest, and I don't see too many Trump supporters in there looting and burning the downtowns of American cities across this country. So once again, the Democrats are trying to flip the coin and make it look like we are the violent ones. They're saying that the president is running on chaos. They have created the chaos. He's going to be winning on chaos, chaos created by the Democratic Party. Yeah, I want to go back to it. I think Jack hits a great point. So uh, uh, Raheem and Posobiec, walk us through this whole thing now that they're saying Trump is the driver of the chaos. When it's really these guys were going to be thriving on the chaos, they understood that a real, uh, real Democratic vote on Election Day, something we've been doing for centuries, uh, they couldn't win that. So they had to have chaos through uh, lawfare, right, to push it into the courts and to kind of win all these legal battles. They had to have information warfare and particularly uh, control the social media aspect of that, have a kill switch. And, and I, think they, I think the left comes out of the debate feeling good for one reason. They feel that Fox News, which is one of the things they have to flip, I think they're feeling pretty good about Fox News if, uh, if Wallace at the news side, you know, forget the commentary side of Tucker and Laurie, John Hannity, you've got to be feeling pretty good. But also, they got to feel pretty good for the reserve street muscle they've got, too, because Biden specifically went out and, and, and said, uh, you know, Antifa is just an ideology. It's not an organization. So if you look at the chaos they need, the lawfare part where, you know, Biden slipped away, President Trump really didn't get him hammered on the, on the lawfare part of it. He kind of denied it. Uh, you had Fox News on the information warfare side, I think, really come in and debate Trump. Uh, and then you had the non uh, you know, Biden saying, oh, Antifa is just an idea. It's just a concept. So what do you guys think about this? They, they, I think the left feels they got some big victories on, uh, on uh, Tuesday night. One of the things that I was looking at this morning was this Politico article. A lot of the news organizations have set out to find people within the Trump campaign, so they say anonymous sources, uh, but also non-anonymous sources, named sources um, in, in Politico, such you know, Trump donors who are going out there and saying, oh, you know, he didn't do so great and we've got to work on things and he's too aggressive and all of this kind of thing. I get it. Like, I get the fact that, you know, you might have concerns about... And, and I express mine as well. But if you're a major uh, uh, donor, if you're a major GOP donor, major Trump donor, why are you giving comments to Politico where they can run a headline that basically trashes the president and trashes people who are associated with him? And I don't understand that mentality uh, from our own side. I've spoken to a couple of people about it uh, this morning since, and uh, a lot of people seem to think, uh, at least in the sort of MAGA America First core here in Washington, D.C., seem to think that there is a new fissure opening on the right with people uh, inside the RNC who weren't necessarily uh, pro-Trump from the outset using Tuesday as an opportunity uh, to undermine the president and to ding the president. And you saw Mitch McConnell out there doing it again. You saw Lindsey Graham out there doing it again. And I just think, why are we wasting and why are they wasting everyone's time and effort and and, and hard work uh, taking to the media to, to trust the president's debate performance? It doesn't make sense to me, chaps. Yeah, if you remember in 2016, and, and Steve, obviously, I think you have a little memory of that. <laughs> um, when President Trump won the debates, it was not because he was going up there and being soft. Right. He went up there and he basically targeted every single one of his opponents, 16 opponents in the primary and then 17 with Crooked Hillary. And he targeted them and he took them out tactically and strategically. Uh, he was able to use tactical 
maneuvers on that stage that created strategic problems for each of them and their candidacies. Uh, and he did that by going hard. He did that by being the brawler. The uh, you know, if this were pro wrestling, this would be a cage match. That's who he is. That's how he's always been. That's how he won in 2016. Um, People watch that. I mean, you look at the Telemundo um, response to it. They know that Trump looked strong and Biden looked weak. And that's the end of it. Well, look at the CNN. Look at what what, what, what did you say about the CNN clip? Jack? Yeah, there's this great CNN clip where uh, they've got this. Um, it's an undecided voter town hall in Ohio. And they're doing this after the, uh, you know, they're doing this after the um, the debate. And they say, Okay, so who and they're like in a cornfield, and and uh, you know the reporters are going, well, okay, who here believes that Joe Biden won the debate? Oh, I think we have the clip. Do we have can the we, clip. We have yeah, the, can we, we play it. this clip? Can we it's play a, this? It's only eleven seconds. Let's play clip eight. It's 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 so good. We do a quick show of hands, if you will. Who in this group raise your hand if you thought Joe Biden won the debate? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> One person. Okay. Well, well, that may have been a little okay, doctor listen, with the cockroach, you know, the crickets. That may have been added in. I know we're going to run out of time here, but this is the whole point. You know, you get Michael Keaton, the actor, you know, tweeting at the day, don't go back on the stage, don't need to do another debate. Simultaneously, and I was with a bunch of Democrats and guys in media uh, doing this uh, thing for that's going to be shown on Sunday night, I think, on the, the circus. They were nervous from the beginning. They're texting each other. Joe Scarborough and Wolf Blitzer comes out as soon as the thing's over and says, no, this is the first and last debate. Not going to have another debate, right? So they're absolutely nervous. You saw the crickets right there. That's the thing. Hey, who thought Biden won the debate? One hand went up, right? So, it, look, they would not be talking about a kill switch. They would not be talking about no more debates. They wouldn't say national humiliation. If they thought they won, they would say, we have to have a debate every afternoon, okay? They know they got blown out of the water. And President Trump should get rid of it. all those people around, like Chris Christie and these guys, are telling him to moderate and everything like that. He should continue on to press on Biden. Biden was a disaster, right? He's not fit to be commander-in-chief. He's not fit to be the chief executive of the country. He can't handle the pressure. That's why they're trying to divert all the attention away from that. So guys like to, to hear your response before we got in the, fir the first. I tell you what, Raheem, why don't you take us out? I only got a minute to go. I want to hear from hashtag war pandemic. The live stream. We got Pasovic, the the two Jacks. We got the two Jacks in the studio today. Let's let's use them. Look, you've got more of Jack Pasovic's attention than you'll ever get because Twitter's still struggling right now, so he doesn't have the distractions. We'll be back with more War Room Pandemic in just a moment. Jack Maxi, thank you, producer Dan, for pointing at the camera. I know where it is. Jack Pasovic, Stephen K. Bad. We'll be back in a second. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. So we had a problem in New York. They have 100,000 ballots that are a mess. They're all confused, all mixed up. Now they say they're going to redo them. Well, what are they going to do with 100,000 ballots that have already been sent? This is exactly what I'm talking about. It's a big, big, big-scale problem. A hundred thousand ballots went out to New York with the wrong names on them, wrong envelopes, wrong addresses, wrong everything. And now they want to redo the ballots. That doesn't help because what about the ones that are already sent? This is exactly what I'm talking about. Don't wait, please. Go out and vote. Did you see in New York today? A hundred thousand fraudulent ballots. They sent out a hundred thousand ballots. 
Wrong names, wrong addresses, wrong envelopes. Other than that, they did quite well. I think you had 100,000. So you know what their solution? That's okay, we'll send out another 100,000. I said, really? What's gonna happen to the first 100,000? Who's gonna vote them? This is crazy what's going on. This is crazy. He's sowing chaos, that's the strategy. I mean, after that debate, it's, it couldn't be any more clear. Chaos is the strategy. Chaos is the outcome that they're, they're seeking. And it's going to only intensify as the election day approaches. I mean, we're uh, over a month out. I mean, it's going to get a lot worse. And people in Pennsylvania need to understand that that's all it is. Noise and distraction propagated by an organization whose lone objective during this campaign season is to sow chaos, to create diversions away from an outcome they very well may not like when all the votes are cast in Pennsylvania. So besides you know, we're constantly being told, welcome back to the Warren, by the way, we're constantly being told that Trump won in 2016 with razor-thin margins, right? This is. I'm going to go through a couple things here real quick before we toss it to Posobiec. How Trump won the presidency with razor-thin margins in swing states. Washington Post, November the 11th, 2016. Uh, there was... The election came down to 77,744 votes in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Washington Examiner, November the 10th, 2016. There was... You could fit all the voters who cost Clinton the election in a mid-sized football stadium. December the 1st, 2016. Vanity Fair. And now they're saying, oh, we shouldn't be worried about this small, negligible number of uh, ballots, mail-in ballots, unsolicited ballots, incorrect ballots, names wrong, dates wrong, addresses wrong, uh, people alive, dead wrong, pets wrong, whatever it is. They're saying, oh, now you don't need to worry about that. But we were told it was razor thin. We were told it came down to a, a, just a small number of thousand in a critical number of states. And how many of these problems are we seeing across these critical number of states? A small number of thousand. Jack Posobiec. Right. So we, we've got to go to a place near and dear to my heart, um, my, you know, my hometown, Philadelphia. I grew up just outside the city. And we've seen so many problems going on there already in this situation. Uh, President Trump, of course, brought up at the debate the famous line, bad things happen in Philadelphia. Well, immediately after he said that, the very next day, what do we wake up to? A report that programming memory sticks were stolen out of an election warehouse. Now, these are the memory sticks that actually have the code on them to program the electric voting machines. Right? Somehow someone got into uh, one of these warehouses stole the memory sticks, and apparently they got into some of the laptops as well that are there. Um, no explanation what's going on. There's an investigation into this right now. Um, but furthermore from that, we've now seen a new uh, really early voting scheme that's going on in the city of Philadelphia. And now anybody who's listening in the sound of my voice who's from Pennsylvania, you'll say, but Jack, wait a minute, there is no early voting in Pennsylvania. We don't have early voting. Well, now we do because of a legal loophole. And you can go see media reports. They all refer to this as early voting. However, they're using a legal term of art to say it's not early voting. It's in-person absentee ballot voting. What does that mean? Well, what they're doing is they, they've set up around the city of Philadelphia these so-called county election board satellite offices. And the 17 satellite offices are the places where you can walk in, request an absentee ballot, fill out the absentee ballot, 
place it in, have your vote, you know, essentially be accounted for, and then you walk out. Sounds a lot like a polling place, doesn't it? But it's not, say, the city commissioners, because this is just an absentee ballot walk-in, in-person satellite office, not a polling location. Well, Pennsylvania law, under Pennsylvania law, states that any polling location is entitled to two poll watchers per candidate that's running in that district. Democrats, Republicans, whatever whatever party, you are entitled to a, to a polling location. These are de facto polling locations, and they've been throwing out Trump officials that have been asking just to observe what's going on in there. They're saying, if you're not voting, you need to get out. Well, if these are p county election boards, then why can't anybody from the public go in if it's a government facility, right? They're still throwing people out, and they say, oh, you're being disruptive. I'm just asking questions. Disruptive. The problem now yeah, Jack, is that it's not you. observable. Yeah, do we have the, uh, we don't have the footage, there's some, uh, there's some actual, um, um, you know, iPhone footage, I think we're going to try to get up. It's but right you know the guy now. that took the footage. Yeah, Jack, walk yeah. people through what actually happened. We got the footage somewhere, we'll try to get it up, but walk people through who the guy is, what the footage is. This is outrageous, okay? This is outrageous. This is how this is how they're trying to steal this election, okay? The, they're making this stuff up. I want you to go back and, and, and explain what this what these satellite offices are, right? And who is this official that went in and just wanted to be a poll watcher? Steve, was that Madeline Pelse calling? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Jack. Okay, no, I was looking to see if we had the footage. So um, at first it was a volunteer who attempted to do this in one of the satellite offices, and then it was actually one, a deputy campaign official in the city of Philadelphia tried to go in to just get some clarity on what exactly is going on. Because again, Pennsylvania law says that poll watchers have the right to enter a place where the votes are being cast. There are clearly votes being cast there. They're using, you know, sort of a legal loophole to get around this to say, well, we're going to collect votes in places where you can't observe and we're going to set them up throughout the city. Exactly the same as a polling location. Certainly, everyone who's going into these places feels like they have gone in and cast their ballot, which they, they obviously have done. Uh, and so the Trump campaign now is looking at a potential lawsuit. They are looking at a federal lawsuit, according to sources that I've talked to, because the state courts in Pennsylvania are completely controlled by the Democrat Party, including the Supreme Court. So it's essentially a waste of time if you go that route. It's got to be a federal lawsuit to get some clarity as to why Pennsylvania poll watching laws are not being upheld in this loophole situation. And of course, the, uh, the perennial fact checkers out there will say, well, wait a minute, these aren't polling locations. These are just satellite offices for, you know, in-person mail-in ballots. Right. But they are de facto polling locations. And I think that any reasonable judge would see that. This is the whole point of the nomenclature, and we're not going to lose this fight. A, uh, an in-person absentee ballot you know, satellite office. This is all nonsense. This is how they're going to be voting by the pallet in Philadelphia. This is what 60 Minutes didn't have the guts to ask. I want to go to also this memory stick. You just don't go in a warehouse and, uh, and, and the one thing you steal is a memory stick unless you're specifically going in to steal the memory sticks. And what you're trying to do is try to program, be able to program the electronics of the voting to, 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 to put it to your side. I mean, how could they possibly sit there and lose these memory sticks and have these things stolen? This is going to call into question everything that comes out of Philadelphia, is it not, Jack? 
Well, going back to what Raheem said, the the state of Pennsylvania in 2016, you crunch those numbers, 44,000 votes. That's all it was that separated those, uh, all the electoral votes of Philadelphia from going in the Trump column to going into the Hillary column. That's not a lot of votes uh, statewide. You're talking about out of 6 million, it was a 44,000 disparity. Steve, there's one other thing about this case that I find very troubling, okay? You have this warehouse in Philadelphia that's supposed to be a secure facility with all the voting machines, these USB sticks, everything. No cameras. No cameras at all in the warehouse. We have no idea who was in there. And now they're saying that the memory sticks can actually be used to reprogram any machine, but they say that the machines have a little piece of safety tape it's been taped over the USB ports on those machines, and they're going to go around and make sure that all the safety tape is still secure. Anybody see if anybody stole a safety a roll of safety tape? I mean, this thing is so upside down, it's unbelievable, and I don't think anybody's asking the technical questions. Jack, Jack just inform our viewers, how bad is Philadelphia overall? I mean, 60 Minutes was up there, didn't ask one question, they had the election officials, but they treated... Uh, they treated uh, uh, Philadelphia like it was the home of honest voting. How corrupt uh, is uh, is Philadelphia when it comes to voting? Well, you know, I, I could tell you anecdotes from over the years when I was the Temple University College Republican chairman, uh, when we had the Black Panthers that were blocking people in 2008 at one of the polls. But we can even go to the Department of Justice indictment from July of 2020, just two months ago, essentially where a former congressman in South Philadelphia was indicted for engaging in a conspiracy, a scheme with the head, the judge of elections of the 39th Ward to stuff ballots. And this had been going on for years. They have evidence of 2014, 2015, and 2016 of this ballot stuffing. This court was just indicted for this a couple of months ago. So are we supposed to believe that this scheme only involved this one former congressman and one judge of elections? Let me tell you something. If you've ever spent any time working elections in Philadelphia, you know that it ain't just one guy. And we've gone out to a break. Pennsylvania's with, yeah, to take it out, Raheem, I want to hear from hashtag war pandemic in the live stream, but uh, Pennsylvania is central to Trump's victory. That's where we got to be all over Philadelphia. Well, I think um, hashtag war and pandemic is back now. Twitter seems to be back up, so make sure you're there with your comments and your questions. Um, Jack Maxey is going to be checking them out all through the show. I'm watching the live stream here on YouTube. Uh, we'll be coming to your comments in just a moment. Jack Posobiec is in studio with us here in Washington, D.C. Jack Maxey, Raheem Kassam in the nation's capital. Stephen K. Bannon joining us down the line from New York. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more War Room Pandemic in just a moment. Yeah. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. is going to be, he's sowing chaos. That's the strategy. I mean, after that debate, it's, it couldn't be any more clear. Chaos is the strategy. Chaos is the outcome that they're, they're seeking, and it's going to only intensify as the election day approaches. I mean, we're over a month out. I mean, it's going to get a lot worse. And people in Pennsylvania need to understand that that's all it is. Noise and distraction propagated by an organization whose lone objective during this campaign season is to sow chaos to create diversions away from an outcome they very well may not like. 
when all the votes are cast in Pennsylvania. So besides, okay, that's the Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania. He's got. He's going to have to embrace the suck here. We're not going to back down one inch, okay? What you're doing down in Philadelphia is totally and completely corrupt. The Trump movement's all over it. Trump-aligned media's all over it. Uh, the Trump campaign's all over it. The Trump campaign in Pennsylvania is a terrific apparatus. I can't speak more highly about any individuals. They delivered an incredible come-from-behind victory in 16, and they're going to deliver another victory in 20. And we're not going to allow it to be stolen. So the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, is, uh, I have to understand, you, sir, with your media partners, traumatized your base with mass hysteria, okay? And this is from where we're in pandemic. We've done more serious reporting on this show since January when the mainstream media said, oh, this whole thing's fake news, right? Well, you were wrong. And we've covered this. You're going to see in the second hour, Jack Max is going to take a whole segment and go through uh, vaccines go through new studies on hydroxychloroquine, go through new aspects of, of where this pandemic stands. But it's the mass hysteria by the mainstream media that traumatized the Democratic Party low-information voters, okay? And now they have a problem. None of them want to go to a poll on November 3rd and actually vote. So what do you have? You have this thing like in-person absentee voting in satellite offices, are all of a sudden memory sticks that drive the electronics of the machines are gone. So the lieutenant governor should get focused on his job because we're going to do our job, right? We're going to expose this every second of every day, and you've got an army of Trump volunteers that are coming out to do it. Hey, and if they don't like poll watchers, that's their tough luck, okay? Because there's going to be eyeballs all over this. And every ballot that's mailed in is going to be contested. Okay, and what I mean by that is this going to be checked. If it's certifiable, it's fine. But remember, one of the things the president's talking about in Brooklyn, the capital of woke in America, 30% of your votes, I think, were not, the mail-in votes were not certifiable in the Democratic primary run by Democrats. In know-it-all Manhattan, I think it was 20%. You, you, you're the ones that have sown chaos, sir. You, you sown chaos... Because you traumatized your base on the pandemic. The pandemic can be dealt with, right? It can be dealt with. We show you all the time targeted interventions. You can deal with it. You can vote on November 3rd. You just have to deal with it. Now in a panic mode, you've got Nancy Pelosi. You've got Bloomberg putting in $100 million in Florida. You're in panic mode. You run around Ohio. Everybody's got to show up on November 3rd now. Because you understand when Trump wins on the evening of November 3rd, the bold red fact is going to be very tough if not impossible for you people to steal, and here's why. You've been found, okay? You have been found, and you're being watched. Sorry you don't like it. Sorry you're saying it's case. You can spin it any way you want, but we deal with facts, and the facts are we are going to watch you every second of every day, and we're going to contest every ballot. And if you don't like it, embrace the suck. Raheem, Jack Maxey, Jack Basovic, back to you guys. I have something, a little shout-out for all the people in Philadelphia and cities like this where we're worried that the Democrats are going to try and steal the vote. When you look back, Philadelphia is the, the seat of our revolution. During that revolution, about 15 to 25 percent of the population were active participants. That matches probably the number of people in Philadelphia who are part of the MAGA team. 
you guys in Philadelphia, don't let this thing be robbed from you. If this, if the polling is correct, then 15, 25% of young black men in Philadelphia support this president. Don't let your vote be stolen. We need you guys out there on the front lines. We need you out there supporting your president. Take control of your own neighborhoods. We need you to talk about your support of the president. This is so important, and you should be inspired by the experience of this country. 15 to 20 percent of the people taking an active participation can change the future of this nation. Jack Basobic, I want to jump in on something Maxie's saying. You know, just the other day, these two uh, unions, uh, I think police union and a fire union, from Philadelphia supported the president. They broke with the national. There's so much happening around Philadelphia that's become emblematic. And I think Jack Maxey brings out a, a great point. The platinum program, and I wish President Trump had hammered Biden more about the super predators. But, you know, President Trump, what he's done with prison reform, and particularly what he's done with the platinum program he put out, which is $500 billion of access to capital by the black community over the next couple of years, which I think is going to go a long way to turbocharge economic growth. I think you're going to have a big turnout of uh, African-American males supporting the president. They like strength. They like Trump's economic program. And that's why we've got to have a fair, a free and fair vote count in Philadelphia. Their voices have to be heard. It can't be stolen from them. Jack Maxey, I think, is absolutely a brilliant point of the relatively low percentage of actual people that backed the revolution in uh, back in 1775, 1776. But Vesovic, you're from there, so tell us what you think. Tell us why Philadelphia is so important in this entire national election. Well, Steve, you got to also remember that. Let's go back a little bit to the end of May, early June of this year, when we saw the rioting and looting take place just, just a couple of months back. It, where was it? it was the city of Philadelphia it was Port Richmond actually where my brother lives where you saw the workers taking out to the streets and just sort of walking around saying we don't want looting in our area we're done with this you guy and, and you don't really see that very much in 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 the cities in most cities people just sort of shied away and let the, the rioters and looters burn down everything I was in Kenosha two weeks ago but in Philadelphia the workers there said no we don't want this we're done with this uh, the working people of Philadelphia, they don't want socialism. They don't want any of these massive government, uh, you know, capital schemes. Right? What they want is a chance to be able to work, to have that investment that Trump is talking about. They want the ability to get out there and put in uh, an honest day's labor. That's, that's the city of Philadelphia. And that's the people of Pennsylvania, quite frankly. They're not interested in handouts. And so you're going to see that. Um, another thing that, that the president, I do think, that really should, needs to bring up more is fracking. Fracking is so important to Western Pennsylvania. That is that Connor Lamb, Sean Parnell district. Fracking is going to be a major hot button issue there. That is responsible for the revitalization. Remember, it's the Rust Belt, right? We call it the Rust Belt because it used to be the Steel Belt uh, and then uh, Pittsburgh, the Steeler City. So the fact that it's fracking and the Marcellus shale find out there that has changed the game and is revitalizing so many of these communities. You talk to the truckers out in Western Pennsylvania, you talk to the people out there, they're saying, they, I remember going out there talking to me, they said, Jack, I can do an, a full day's work and still be home for my kids. I can go to the 
we're having dentists and orthodontist offices opening up in towns out there in in the central northern tier of, of Pennsylvania that have haven't the towns that have never had an orthodontist before, right? And it's all because of the economics. It is economic action, econo the economic populism, economic nationalism that Trump ran on, unlocking these resources. That is what bringing is bringing these communities in Pennsylvania back, and that is what Biden has said again and again that he wants to turn off because of some you know, these, these theories that he has. He thinks it's, it's the right theory to be able to do so. And of course that plays well in the Acela Corridor. So you've got to do, use that two-pronged strategy for Philadelphia, for the state of Pennsylvania. You've got to ensure the integrity of Philadelphia and you've got to drive out the vote in Western Pennsylvania. Raheem, let's go back to a, a broader picture here. What do you think we stand with how the left now is attacking the Trump movement and particularly President Trump as a sower of chaos when they were the ones that were outed about what they're trying to do, particularly about their use of violence in the streets. You know, Sobek knows this so well. But how do you think they're trying to frame this discussion right now? So I just want to go back to something that I mentioned a moment ago about the about the um, slim numbers of, of you know how these things are, uh, are decided and why this mail-in stuff and, and why these uh, the way these things go is so important, despite everybody now on the left whether it's the BBC News, whether it's CNN, whether it's the Brennan Center, all these guys saying, you know, don't, don't need to worry about mass fraud. Okay, let's just let's just rip through some of these numbers real quick. In 2000, we know that the election was effectively decided by 537 votes in Florida. Uh, uh, but it's not just a new thing. In 1876, it was 889 votes in South Carolina. In 1884, it was... Uh, 1,047 votes in New York. Uh, in 2016, it effectively came down to margins of 0 0.2, 0 0.7, and 0.8% respectively across Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. That's a total in each state of 10,000 votes in Michigan, uh, 45,000 votes in Pennsylvania, 22,000 votes uh, in Wisconsin. Now, when you consider the fact that it's 0.06%, of the 137 million uh, ballots that were cast that you're talking about here, uh, then it really does come down to these to these 10, 15, 20 per county votes uh, that we've already seen are going missing. I mean, one in 10 mail-in ballots, I believe, was rejected recently in a New Jersey uh, attempt to, to, to have an election uh, during this year. And that's 10%. Now, of course, the uh, Brennan Center and all these other guys, Brookings Institution, will tell you, oh, but the mail-in ballot fraud stuff is only represents 0.006 to 0.009%. Only has that much fraud built into the built into this system. That's because you've never done it on an industrial scale like this. Go to another civilized Western nation and look at their mail-in ballot experiences. Look at their fraud rates. Look at their personation rates. That's somebody going in and pretending to be somebody else at the polls. They are significantly higher to the point where elections have had to be rerun to the point where uh, you've had people kicked out of office as a result of this stuff months further down the line from the elections having been, uh, having been and you've also had people jailed after tens of thousands of ballots were captured filled in incorrectly and then sent to the uh, sent to the candidates themselves in some instances now what we saw from project veritas and james o'keefe's organization the other day is just uh, the, the the start, the very beginning, the tip of the spear uh, of, of all that we're going to see in this regard. And anybody who tells you anything different is taking part and complicit in a cover-up. And, and I just got to say, um, I know James O'Keefe is, is listening, but these Philadelphia satellite offices, I mean, you couldn't pick a better target for James O'Keefe and Project Veritas.
us to be able to go in and see what's going on. And I haven't talked to him about this, but I, I would be highly surprised if that isn't something that's on the radar. But here's the thing. Just this week, we've got cash for ballots out in Minneapolis. You've got these these disasters that are brewing in Philadelphia. We just put up the, the videotape. And you saw, and you know these people that are involved, Jack. These are not wild-eyed you know, activists. These are pretty straight people that have been involved in campaigns forever. And they're shocked and stunned about what these satellite offices are, and particularly the fact that they're public buildings and they're not being allowed in by security. That's the most shocking thing about it. They just go down there to check things out, and they're kind of thrown out. It's like it's all got to happen under the cover of night. So I want to talk about how they're framing this, how the, the left-wing media now is in full panic mode. They're not going to have anybody show up to vote, so they've got to steal this in some way. So now they're going to just say that Trump's the he's the organizer and the agent of chaos. What do you guys think? We're going to go to a quick break here, Steve. I just want to throw this in from the, uh, from the live chat. Anna says... All the guys looking grand today. Bannon, a great hair day. We'll be back. More War Room Pandemic. Jack Maxim, Jack Kosovic, Green Kassam here on America's Real America's Voice, Newsmax TV, John Fredericks Radio Network, G News, and GTV. We'll be back in just a second. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back from New York City and also from Washington, D.C. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, this is the election that is not going to be allowed to be stolen with non-democratic means, either through the courts or through a kill switch by social media, by Twitter or Facebook, or by mob violence in the streets, by the anarchists. Of, uh, of Antifa, which is an organization and should be deemed a terrorist organization. In fact, in the Platinum Plan, where President Trump, I think, said he's going to de- designate the KKK and Antifa, let's get on with it. Let's sign those executive orders on both of them. Uh, and also the more radical elements of, uh, of Black Lives Matter. I think, uh, Jack Maxey, you've got some breaking news on uh, the royal family and Black Lives Matter, do you, sir? Uh, yes, you have uh, Meghan Markle saying that she thinks BLM is a beautiful thing. This is the headline story in the Daily Mail. And then you have uh, the Duke of Sussex saying that he believes that they have to end structural racism in Great Britain. These are fundamental problems. He has clearly uh, been gelded for, for certain. And I think it's high time that the Queen do the right thing and cut the rope and take away any of their status. These two have literally become buffoons yeah. of the modern uh, era. I think I think they're doing it intentionally as well. I think they want that moment where they're stripped of their of, the, of their uh, title and the line of succession so they can go out and, and make the claim that the Queen is being racist against Meghan Markle for, <laughs> for, for getting rid of them. And here's the thing. These people, firstly, have, have trashed uh, their family They've trashed the institution of the monarchy. They've trashed the nation. Remember, they moved to Canada, and now they're going back to Britain and saying, actually, we're going to come back and lecture you. We hated you so much we left, and now we're going to come back and lecture you over how you're institutionally racist. I imagine that this is going to backfire brutally for the Sussexes. Okay, we've got a lot to get through. That's a huge issue. We'll drill more of that in the days ahead. I want to turn to um, Jack Posobiec. People don't realize, a lot of people don't realize Jack Posobiec is a 
naval intelligence officer who also speaks perfect Mandarin. Jack, the House Intel, Shifty Shifts got a House Intel report. This is not the Republicans minority report. I think a little bit drove it, but I think this show also drove it. Shifty Shift, Adam Shift is trying to cover himself now, coming out with, I think, a pretty explosive report that says the intelligence apparatus was asleep at the switch. John Brennan, who's a disgrace, a total disgrace. And I say forget Russia and forget the Ukraine. That's a sideshow to a sideshow. By the way, it's horrible what they did, but it's on China. And this House Intelligence Report kind of opens it up, doesn't it, uh, Jack? It really is amazing that if you kind of read between the lines on this, it's almost like they're saying admitting that the intel community following the guidelines of their leadership was so hyper-focused on Russia and what Russia might be doing that they allowed China to creep into our systems, to creep into our businesses, to our academic centers, into our politics, into our Senate, uh, and even into our own intelligence community, where we've seen time and time again, uh, DIA officers, military officers who have been indicted, charged for providing intelligence, uh, top secret intelligence to the Chinese apparatus, the state apparatus. And the reason for this is simple, is because while the United States government looks at this as sort of a force on force thing, a government on government thing, the the, the PRC is not like us. Um, they don't think like us. They don't act like us. For them, it's whole of society. They will utilize all of their society. When they went to stockpile the N95 mash in the beginning of all this, when they were still telling us there was no human-to-human transmission, they used the overseas Chinese. They used those, uh, those, work, those United Workfront groups to be able to go through the embassies and consulates to bring the N95 masks home. These, this is just an example of how they're able to mobilize everyone in their society to meet the ends of the government, which is essentially the ends of the CCP. Uh, and so it, it really is amazing to me that, you know, when, uh, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with addicts, you use something called a, a moment of clarity. And it seems as though Adam Schiff has had his moment of clarity when it comes to China. No, they're trying to cover themselves. Remember, we were all nutcases. We were all conspiracy theory yeah. guys. Miles Rose and nut fans and nutcase. Ladies and gentlemen, the Democratic Party's in panic. That's where you have this house intel report that's coming out if you read it and we're going to go through it in great detail okay it exposes the fact that the chinese communist party has infiltrated every aspect of american life and guess what your great intelligence apparatuses that i think we spend 80 to 100 billion dollars on a year are north were asleep at the switch or infiltrated themselves where's john brennan where's clapper where's mike hayden where are all you guys you are a disgrace to this country this country was infiltrated by the greatest enemy we've ever had, the Chinese Communist Party. You were asleep at the switch, and even Adam Schiff, to cover his own ass, has to come out today with a report. Well, it's not good enough, okay? This has gone on now for decades. The infiltration is very deep in every aspect of American life. And now the Democrats have put out a report to try to Ben Smith this. Well, we put out a report. We talked about this, right? This is a problem. We're all over it. No. The answer is no. You mocked and ridiculed and tried to shut down the people that brought this up years ago. And I'm very proud of being one of the first ones to do this and hammer you every day. John Brennan is a disgrace. John Brennan's eventually going to be brought up on charges. He's an absolute total disgrace. This Democratic report is the beginning of it. We're going to drill down more. This intelligence apparatus ought to be ashamed of itself. The FBI should be ashamed of itself. The CIA should be ashamed of itself of what they've allowed to happen to this country. 
Okay, and the voices that were out there for years saying the Chinese Communist Party is a problem that you tried to shut down. You tried to shut down and you failed to shut down. Okay, you know why? Because we have the defense of this country and more importantly, the defense of Lao Beijing in China. Why is this show so big in China? Because Lao Beijing, the little guy in China, knows that war and pandemic and the team here helps to speak for them. We're going to have in the second hour of the show what's going on in the new federal state. Today's the national day, as you know, Jack, in uh, where the Chinese Communist Party takes, uh, takes you know, saying they took over the Chinese state. It's a total lie. This is why there's been protests throughout the world. We're going to have actually live reports in Barcelona and New Zealand and other places to show you what's happening with people that are standing up to fight for their freedom in China. Guys, back to you. Steve, there was great irony on this, too. This is National Martyrs Day, a holiday that they just instituted in 2014 to sort of ramp up uh, communist support. And what was so ironic, you saw Chairman Z go and lay wreaths inside Tiananmen Square, but it wasn't for the students. It was for people who had fought in wars, etc. And to me, there was just something appalling about that. And I think we should remember the students who died in that square. All right, we've got more to bring you from this report. Stick around. I'm going to give you some quotes straight from it and tie up some loose ends here. In the next hour, War Room Pandemic, Jack Pasobic, Jack Maxey, Stephen K. Bannon, Raheem Kassam return in just a moment. 